Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus to make some statistical sense of the playoff scenarios because my brain just doesn't work that way. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I am, I guess, not confused about what it takes, but confused about how likely it is that the Vikings get in because... When the Vikings beat the Dolphins right after that game, Judd and I did a podcast where we were like, okay, this is what the Vikings have to do in the playoffs we were talking about because my assumption was at that point that the Los Angeles Rams would defeat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. And you know what they say about assuming. Well, that's what Mm -hmm. happened to me because then the Eagles Nick Foles their way to more magic and now things are a lot more difficult. So to lay it out very simply, it's just if the Eagles and Washington both win, then week 17 becomes possibly hairy for the Vikings. If they lose against Detroit, if one of those teams lose and the Vikings win, then they're in or no both. See, this is what happens to me every time, Eric. It's very difficult. So lay it out for me. What is happening with the playoffs? Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys talked about it pretty well last night on the show. So, you know, Washington is a, a 10 point underdog this week on Saturday to Tennessee in Tennessee. Uh, Washington pulled out kind of a, a, uh, miracle victory on the road against, uh, Jacksonville with Josh Johnson at quarterback. Josh Johnson obviously will be, uh, you know, if you're still doing the purple podcast 20 years from now, will be the subject of uh, journeyman quarterback. of the He embodies everything. He already got a shout-out because he officially became a journeyman quarterback with his one shining moment, keeping them in the playoff race. Yeah, right. So, and Tennessee's been a team that, you know, they've, they've had, diff, you know, they, they've had an interesting run. They, they beat Dallas by double digits. They beat, uh, you know, New England by multiple scores. And then they've lost to a team like Buffalo, right? So, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a shoe in. It is, you know, very unlikely that Washington, uh, will, will win on Saturday, but Philadelphia is at home, uh, against Houston and they do, you know, they are favored in that game, I believe by two and a half or three points. 
So it is likely that the Eagles will win, meaning that the Vikings on, on Sunday, and they're about a 70% chance to beat the, the Detroit Lions on the road, do, I think, have to take care of business for week 17 to be one of those things where it's more of a, you know, it, it's more, they're still in the driver's seat. If they win on, if they win on Sunday, the Vikings have over an 80% chance to, to make the playoffs. If they lose on Sunday, it's more like a one in three chance. So this is a really big game for the Vikings. We've seen this before. You guys talked about Mike McMahon uh, on the podcast before. We've seen Detroit teams that are down. We've seen Detroit teams that are out. Carry on Johnson out. A lot of their offensive line. We've seen teams like that beat Minnesota before. So this is certainly not a sure thing, but there is a lot of leverage associated with this game. And, and luckily the Vikings are favored uh, to come through. So how bad is Detroit? I, I watched a Miami Dolphins team that their record in no way, shape or form represented what they have as a roster. The Miami Dolphins are an abysmal football team who should probably go five and 11 or four and 12 and somehow lucked their way into a seven and six record at one point. Uh, but now I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins end up, you know, seven and nine even. And that, that win is, is very nice for the Vikings because when you play a bad team, you want to just stomp their face in. But at the same time, I think Detroit is a shade better than that. And I, my expectation was that they would completely give up on Matt Patricia and they've only like sort of <laughs> like their offense is, is just not rolling at all. But at the same time, their defense has played better lately. And I wonder how the Kevin Stefanski Vikings offense will now match up with the Lions defense. Right. And that was always the question. I think, you know, two years ago when the Vikings, um, you know, when uh, North Turner resigned slash, uh, you know, was fired in season, you remember their, their subsequent game to that was a game against Detroit where their offense did look a lot better. I think Stephon Diggs had like 15 catches in that game. Uh, you know, that was the game where Blair Walsh missed an extra point and then, failed to make the kickoff into, you know, a short kickoff and they got that like 70 yard field goal by Matt Prater to like go to overtime. <laughs> um, and, and, and the thing about that was that ultimately, you know, down the stretch, what ended up happening was that, you know, the, the, the offense was installed months and months and months in advance. Right. And because of that, like as much as the play caller can do and Stefanski did a terrific job on Sunday, uh, much like Shermer did early on in his, you know, half a season, we're probably not going to see the full fruits of moving from uh, Filippo to Stefanski until next season, should he be the the new coordinator. So uh, I think we're, they're, they're going to struggle a little bit with the, what the Lions present defensively traded for Damon Harrison in this, in the middle of the season, they drafted a Sean Robinson out of uh, Alabama a couple of years ago. Those two guys are among our, you know, top run defenders in the NFL. So they could certainly stop the run with those in two interior players, you know, Pat Alpine struggled this year. I think with an injury, uh, obviously the, the two guards, Remmers is kind of playing out of position. They've had trouble all season at left guard for Minnesota. So I do think, whereas the Dolphins were very soft defensively after losing William Hayes, uh, as one of their edge players, I don't think the Lions are really going to give up as much in the run game and be as soft as, as Minnesota was, be, was able to experience on early downs, uh, against Miami. And that, if that takes you into later downs, then you look at things like, you know, you look at things like Darius Slay, if he, you know, uh, he made the Pro Bowl this week, you know, if he's able to lock down one of the Vikings, you know, good receivers, we've seen how that's affected them in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, even though they don't have the depth in the secondary, I do think, you know, being able to do that will, will you know, 
present them more trouble. So I do think the, the Detroit Lions, while maybe not a better team than Miami as a whole, might be better than them in the right spots. It was a really big mismatch for Miami last week, and I think the Vikings exploited it to a T. I think it'll be tougher this week on the road in Ford Field. So let's say that they do beat Detroit. Then we start talking Super Bowl. Obviously, I book my trip to Atlanta, and then we're good to go. Um, no, but realistically, though, I think when you have a defense that I would put in the top five in the NFL right now, it might yep. even be top three. Uh, the way that they've played recently, if, if I, I'm not saying you could ever throw out a game, but they've been very much different since that loss against the the Los Angeles Rams. Um, yep. So it, just post Rams game, they have been one of the top three or four defenses in the NFL. And uh, so I, I looked at all of the teams who have made the Super Bowl in the last 10 years, just reached the Super Bowl and what they've done offensively, because clearly there's been a lot of great defenses of teams that go also and looked at kind of the middle of the pack Super Bowl team. And they were usually somewhere between fifth and seventh in terms of their expected points on offense. And if you use Football Outsiders DVOA, if you like that stat or whatever stat you like, they're almost always a very good offense, aside from some of your outliers. Um, but really, it's you have to go back to like the 08 Steelers to find a mediocre offense or the 2015 Broncos. But other than that, they're usually pretty darn good and have a huge point differential. And so my quick math was that the Vikings would need to score 48 points a game in order to get to the point of an, an average scoring offense of the last 10 Super Bowl teams. How far off is the offense, or how much progress, in your opinion, would they need to to make or to show over these three weeks to give you any idea that they could compete in the playoffs? And and that the outliers that you describe actually point to the to what's necessary. So the the 2015 Denver Broncos are a team that struggled down the stretch. They started out six and zero that year. They were the one seed in the AFC. So to overcome poor offense and and leverage brilliant defense, they needed two home games and a and a week off. Uh, the the 08 Steelers, I believe, were either the one or two seed in the AFC that year. I think it was the Jeff Fisher's uh, Titans that year were the one seed. So that they were like the two seed. But again, you have a bye week, you have a home playoff game, and I do believe they hosted the AFC Championship game in that that year. To to go into the playoffs as the Vikings will have to should they make it with a good defense. I look at the, the, the most encouraging thing about the Minnesota Vikings this year is guys like Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, Sheldon Richardson, Mackenzie Alexander, Anthony. They're all, they're all increasing in some of these spots where we didn't expect them to. That defense is great, but what travels in the NFL through road games in the postseason, as you said, is offense, right? And, and, you know, to put aside even the fact that there hasn't been a team that hasn't had a buy make the Super Bowl since 2012 with the Ravens. The, if the Vikings are going to make the Super Bowl with this current construction, they are going to need probably three or four consecutive good games from Kirk Cousins, which to this point, and you and, you and I have discussed this at length, is simply not something we've seen yet, right? And so I, we, our model has them at something like a one to two percent chance to win the Super Bowl. I think that's probably fair. I think a lot of things have to come into place, uh, for them to, to, you know, to reach the the pinnacle and and I think this probably just isn't simply their year. Okay, so let's just say that they do have a chance. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what? We need to find a new like movie reference for that. The Dumb yes. and Dumber thing, it's great. It's a funny movie, 
but it really sort of ages you and you're like, so you're telling me there's a chance? Like, oh, okay, so you haven't watched any movies in like 20 years. Uh, anyway, um, what's the best path in terms of opponents? Uh, looking at the Los Angeles Rams right now, I try to not get too caught up in the very end of the season. I've seen this in every sport. I watched yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals in 2006, I believe, play the worst baseball over the final month that I've ever seen in my life, and then they won the World Series. They got in on the last day thanks to the Braves beating the Astros or something and and had like 87 wins and somehow went and, and won the World Series because they actually had a stronger roster than that but just had gotten a little bit um, – cold i guess at the wrong time or at the right time at the end of the season or whatever you want to call it and so with the rams and the saints their offenses have been sputtering a little bit but i have trouble looking at either one of those teams and saying oh yeah i'd want to play them um just because they haven't played great in week 14 through 17 yeah and they have the advantages bestowed upon them by playing as well as they did early in the season right the saints we have the saints as the favorite to make the super bowl not because of how they've played in the last three weeks where Breeze has had fewer than 200 yards and less than two touchdowns every one of those games. We have them winning the Super Bowl because it's really hard, as Vikings fans know from 09, to go into New Orleans in the playoffs and win, right? Yep. I mean, and, and the same thing's true about Los Angeles. The, the Eagles played so poorly in December last year with Nick Foles that they were an underdog, a Vegas underdog, in every single one of their playoff games last season, right? And And what people forgot was that they were – I can't remember the exact record, but they were like 11 and two or 12 and two when they started playing poorly. Those 14 games matter, you know, and, and so, you know, the Rams are playing, you know, struggling. And, and I think that you can point to some specific cases. Cooper Cup was a player that absolutely murdered Minnesota on that Thursday night. He's not going to play the rest of the season. That's important. So there are things you can point to. When I look at, you know, Obviously, you're you're looking at the Rams or the Saints in round two, unless something catastrophic happens. I believe we have the Rams with something like so. We have the Rams with a like an 83 percent chance to get a buy. So there are some cases where you play Chicago in the second round, but most of the time it's the Rams. The the path for Minnesota that I think is probably the easiest one is to play Dallas in the first round. Right. Um, because Dallas, you know, we saw, you know, the Indianapolis Colts who do not have the personnel that Minnesota has defensively completely shut down the one thing that's helped Dallas offensively since the trade, which is Amari Cooper and ended up shutting out, uh, the Cowboys subsequently. So you play Dallas the first round. Uh, you know, you're going to be the sixth seed. So you're going to go to New Orleans. Uh, you can talk yourself into the idea that against New Orleans, you basically outplayed them at the, at U.S. Bank Stadium. You don't, you know, Kirk plays out of his mind in that game. He continues how he played for the first quarter and a half there. You could win there. And then, you know, you go to Los Angeles. Los Angeles doesn't have a great home field advantage. The weather's okay in, in January. You know, that's kind of the path that you have to think through. They only lost to the Rams by seven, despite how poorly the defense played. So there's obviously a logical way that you can think about, you know, going through this. It's just, when you when you try to add it up, it all it all becomes difficult, right? When uh, when you look at uh, you know what they have to go through. The matchup with Chicago is really interesting, and it especially if uh, somehow they lose to the Lions, then the Week 17 matchup with Chicago becomes really interesting if that game ends up relevant for them. But let's just assume that the most likely scenario will happen, and they end up in the playoffs against Chicago. 
if that happens, we'll have plenty of time to preview that. But as I think about what Vikings fans should be rooting for and how these things should be playing out, should they be rooting to go to Los Angeles and them not having that great home field advantage like Soldier Field, the house of horrors for the Minnesota Vikings since forever, right? Uh, would you rather root for a first-round trip to Los Angeles or to Chicago? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I would, I would say, I would say if Los Angeles is, is the, is the third seed or worse, that means they would have lost to, I believe the two teams that are playing next are the, uh, Arizona Cardinals and the St. and the St. uh, the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. So yeah. if, if the, uh, <laughs> if the Rams were to have been weak enough to lose one of those two games, they're probably weak enough to have wanted to, you know, be the team you want to play in the first round, right? So, so if that, if that's the case, I think playing the Rams first is probably better. Um, um, if you are the 60, which I think is the Vikings eventual fate, although Seattle could lose to Kansas City and then, you know, the Vikings could leapfrog them. If you are the 60, you're going to play New Orleans if you win the first round. Uh, so, you know, so I think that secondary question, you know, so then you're, you're playing Chicago possibly in the NFC championship game if you were to, to move on. So, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I think if the Rams are, are poor enough over the next two weeks to lose to one of those two teams in the bottom of their division, then they're, I think, prime enough for an upset. On the other hand, as I just said, you know, you can kind of throw some of these things out the window once the playoffs hit. Yeah. The, the way you could talk me into, uh, the Vikings going somewhere in the playoffs is the quarterbacks that they might have to face. Okay, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. If you face him in New Orleans, nobody's picking the Vikings for that game because he's Drew Brees, and especially in the Superdome, he's unbelievable. Uh, on the road, he's not as great, but he doesn't have to go on the road. So when you look at the others, though, Dak Prescott, a lot of, lot of downs there, um, has been okay uh, second half of the season. He's got a gamerness to him that I've always liked, but uh, certainly not among the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky has not impressed me very much, despite uh, how well they scheme the ball to Tariq Cohen and things like that, uh, especially against the Vikings, not impressed with the bad interceptions mm -hmm. and things like that. And Jared Goff has like one touchdown, seven picks over his last three weeks. And the Vikings, they, they allowed a, a big game to him the one night in Los Angeles, but also completely shut him down the year before. And I feel like as good as Mike Zimmer is at adjusting, that's where you would have your chance is if you get to face either one of the non-elite quarterbacks, then this Vikings defense seems to perform extremely well against them. Right. And I, and I think that's, that's the key to the NFL now, right? It seems like, you know, when you look at, you know, defense, it does when good offense beats good defense, what wins. So it's usually good offense, but if great defense and mediocre offense play each other, you generally see good defense is able to, as we've seen with Dallas a few weeks, is able to suppress good offense so much that, you know, those teams can go on a run. Trubisky is exactly what you said. I think if you're a Bears fan, you're encouraged by some of the things that he's shown, but you're also really worried about his inconsistency and his ability to turn the ball over. If you're a Rams fan, you're really, you know, holding on for dear life that, that Goff, you know, the first, you know, six or seven weeks of this season wasn't a complete illusion. Um, all of those things to, to say, like, you to win those playoff games, the Vikings are going to need their defense to suppress those offenses sufficiently. And you're also going to need Kirk Cousins to not make those backbreaking mistakes because 
we saw on this Sunday night against the Saints, the Vikings defense played extremely well against the Saints and Kirk broke their back. And granted, the Thielen fumbles at the end of the half there. It's a different story. But, you know, Kirk ultimately threw the, the interception touchdown that, that ended up being, you know, the issue for them. So the Vikings need not only their defense to play as well as it has over the last couple of months, but they need consistency at the quarterback position. So that's another question that I have here is when you have a quarterback that leads the NFL in turnovers, we know the volatility of turnovers is high. But at the same time, this has been the Kirk Cousins story since he took over as starting quarterback in Washington. Can you can you really go through multiple playoff weeks with a quarterback who even throws a pick six against Miami? And, and I brought this up. I'm curious about what you think of it. That if Cousins hadn't thrown the pick six against Miami, I think Vikings fans would be very much on board to, okay, this was the team we expected. This The play callers got it all right. But when he throws that pick six, there's a lot of air that goes out of that balloon because you're reminded of how once per game Cousins will do something that really hurts his team and how much they have to overcome. And when you play great teams, they don't let you overcome that sort of thing. And I, I think that there's a there's a point there about him and his quarterback record. Wins and losses are always, you know, by analytics community in general, sort of they roll their eyes at the wins and losses. But I, I think that that's one of the reasons that he was 500 all the time, and he's basically 500 right now. Is when you face winning teams, it's very hard to overcome the strip sack fumble for touchdown, the pick six, and, and uh, you know I had the stat about Cousins throwing more pick six this year than Aaron Rodgers in his whole career. And it's like, <laughs> how can you overcome those things? Or are turnovers just so weird in football that you could have the bounces go your way for a few weeks? Yeah, football is the ultimate small sample game. So, like, we can trick ourselves into thinking anything, really, about random stuff. But we do know that turnover-worthy type plays are pretty consistent relative to interceptions. And Kirk does produce, on average, more of those turnover-worthy plays than some of the quarterbacks. The other thing that he struggles with are fumbles. And, you know, most, you know, 50-50 are fumbles. But, you know, often, you know, you can get bad stretches of play there. What you really don't want to do, though, is you don't want to put, especially in the playoffs, again, we think about the playoffs as a bunch of coin flips. The fewer things that you can put in Chance's hand in the playoffs, the better. And oftentimes what Kirk does is he simply puts too many things in Chance's hands, and that's why they've never, in his time in Washington, in his time in Minnesota, he's never had a consistent winning streak because you've never had, like, you know, Pat Mahomes go two months without throwing an interception or Drew Brees going 10 weeks without, you know, with New Orleans covering the spread in every game but one, right? Like, in order to do stuff like that, you simply need to be almost perfect all the time. And with the thing with Kirk is he's a good quarterback, but he's not perfect. And those imperfections seem to, like, be interspersed enough where that it ends up just being a 50-50 type of proposition with him. So let me ask and, you – oh, go ahead. And that, and that's just simply not the recipe for winning football, right? Like if you, you don't get to, you know, the Super Bowl winner doesn't get to go three and one in the playoffs, you know, <laughs> right, even though right. that's, even though that's a great record, right? Three and one's a great record. We'd love that out of Kirk on a consistent basis. You have to, and that's why Eli Manning's career is so hilarious because every single year he's been in the playoffs that he hasn't won the Super Bowl, they've been one and done, but he somehow was able to put four consecutive brilliant games together two seasons. And that's why he's got two rings. Uh, let me ask you about the American Football Conference. 
I'm really intrigued with it, even though all of my focus has been on the NFC and Kirk Cousins and these different scenarios and, and what's going to happen here. Uh, when I take a peek over at the other side of the standings, though, I see a New England team that has shown a lot of flaws this year. And really, yep. the Vikings should have beat. I, I, I mean, when you look at some of the losses that New England has, they were kind of playing the same way against the Vikings. And to quote a former Vikings coach, we let them off the hook. Right. I mean, that's sort of yes. what you, that's that's what you did. They let them off the hook. Um, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, like there's just a half game there and, and Houston. And, and, and I would also like to see uh, Los Angeles make it uh, because of Philip Rivers. And he's had just such a prolific career and has been deserving of the same conversation as other great quarterbacks, but just has not made a Super Bowl. Like if he if it's if it's him making Super Bowls instead of Ben Roethlisberger, then it's Rivers being talked about right there with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, I think. So what what do you make of how this could all shake out in the AFC? Yeah, the AFC is re really funny because Kansas City and Los Angeles are the two best teams by a mile, uh, in my opinion, and they play in the same division, right? So if we look at our simulations, there's uh, two teams that have more than a one percent, uh, you know, one percent chance to get home field, or more than like a five percent. Kansas City has seventy-two percent chance to win home field advantage in the in the AFC. Los Angeles twenty-four percent. So that's you know, whoever wins the AFC West is going to win home field advantage in the AFC more than likely, and and that's pretty hilarious. You saw that on Thursday night, one of the great games of the season so far this season. Um, the thing with New England is, is what, what's been different about them is their home road splits. Uh, they've done tremendous work at home, even the Vikings game that wasn't one of their better performances, but they ended up winning and covering the spread and all that kind of stuff. But they've lost, they lost by three touchdowns to Tennessee in Tennessee. They lost by multiple scores to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars in Jacksonville in week two. Uh, they lost by multiple scores in Detroit, right? So that's their, if New England's capable of doing that, then the Vikings are capable of doing that, by the way, next, you know, this Sunday. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're just not as strong on the road. And I just don't know, like Brady hasn't looked as sharp. He's been like kind of a down tier quarterback for us this year in, in our grade. So, uh, you know, Pittsburgh has had some funky games or three game losing streak. I think two of those games they probably should have won and just lost by random luck. So are they bad? Cleveland, I think you can even make the case to Cleveland, even though they're probably out of the playoffs is playing the best of any AFC team, not named mm -hmm. Kansas City or Los Angeles right now. When I look at it, when I look at it, I think that, you know, you basically have to think Kansas City or Los Angeles, or you look at one of the dark horses, you look at a team like Indianapolis, right? Right now, start out one and five, they're eight and six. They're about a 33% chance to make the playoffs. But if they get in, they not only have a young team with a great coach, but they have a quarterback that even though he's missed the last, you know, playoffs the last few years and missed the season in general, one road playoff game since he, you know, was earlier in his career. I think Indianapolis, if they get in, are going to be a team to watch because, like I said, they're, they're good coach. They're well coached. Andrew Luck is terrific. Their weapons offensively are great. And they do something that a lot of these teams don't do well, which is protect their quarterback. Interestingly enough, with uh, Indianapolis, their point differential is better than New England, and it's better than Pittsburgh. And even more interesting to me is Baltimore, because their point differential is better than, than all of those teams, and better yep. than Houston, too. Now, I, I gotta say, Eric, it would be great if uh, you and I and other people who have come on this podcast spent less offseason 
talking about how Lamar Jackson should not have dropped in the draft because he was a really <laughs> good prospect. And then he went to the Super Bowl or something, right? And I don't know if that's yeah. going to happen, but the way that he played against Kansas City, he basically threw a game-winning touchdown, and then Mahomes did some special stuff that Mahomes can do on fourth down, and it was beautiful football and, and, and so, far, so far and, and, and so forth. But with... Baltimore, they they are interesting to me because Lamar Jackson can do things that other quarterbacks just cannot do, and their defense is really good. So if they are in, they're they're a dangerous dark horse to me because, I mean, if this team, I'm sure Jackson learned a lot along the way the first weeks that Flacco was starting, but let's say Jackson had been this good the whole time. I mean, are they like a, an 11-5 and five team or something? Are they a 12-4 and four team with as good as their defense is? Uh, well, that's interesting because we've had this conversation. We've had this conversation at the office. I, I think so. The interesting thing with Baltimore is, and and I'm trying not to compare them to to the Broncos in 2011, but they're running the exact offense you would run if you knew your quarterback in, as a rookie was limited throwing the football, and mm-hmm. they're running it perfectly. The question becomes: If you were to start a season, would you? Run because I because I do think over time these offenses tend to you know kind of flame out right yeah yeah but but they but they're good at, like it's novel enough and exotic enough during a season to win with um so I think if he starts the season it's a bit different uh the crazy thing so I, when you were talking about Pittsburgh and and Baltimore how razor thin the, the margins are in this league Pittsburgh tied in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Baltimore lost in overtime in Cleveland on a end of game field goal. That was one of the worst kicks I've ever seen in my life. That was like knuckled through and, you know, and, and there was a whole huge Jackson putting up two, two seconds left, even though it was sudden death. <laughs> if that kick doesn't go in, Baltimore has the same record as Pittsburgh right now. We, they have a tie. And so like we're, it, we're, our whole calculus is totally different based upon like two random things. Um, you know, I like Lamar Jackson's prospects going forward. I do think their offense will look fundamentally different next year because I do think that they know that they're playing perfect football right now with what they have. But for his development, he probably does have to be more of a a traditional quarterback in the future than he is now. I do agree with that. I remember the days of, uh, well, Tim Tebow for one, although I would say Jackson is a much better passer than Tim yes. Tebow was. But at the same time, it's still sort of a low completion percentage, read option type of thing. And uh, Jackson is probably a better runner than Tebow is too, but still. And then you even go back to like the Cordell Stewart and, and trying to do this with limitations. I do wonder, though, if he gets this much experience, if they got into the playoffs where they did get down in a game, if they could open it up and show off his arm, because he does have one. It, it's not like he's mm-hmm. he's just sort of a schlub who's running around, and then every once in a while he throws a little knuckleball pass. That's kind of how Tebow was for the most part. But yep. uh, in, in this case, I think Jackson can really throw. And there's even been some examples that the tape breaker downers on Twitter, uh, many of which who are ex-players now, have pointed out him going through progressions and making touch passes and things like that. And I wonder about you know, his progress as he goes along. So that he's one that I'm going to be watching close. I wouldn't put any money on Baltimore uh, making the Super Bowl or anything. And in fact, they could still miss the playoffs. So I definitely wouldn't. But um, I, I really like where that franchise sits with him. And it's sort of funny how similar it is to Teddy Bridgewater, 
where, you know, you get a guy at the 32nd pick and you don't expect it and, and then, you know, or at least they didn't expect it in the league, even though a lot of us could sort of see what was going to happen there. So anyway, uh, very interesting stuff as always, Eric. Um, we will get together again very soon when the playoff scenarios are set. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. I'm excited. I think what's really cool about this season is, is so much, so much is happening up, up top. I think I looked at our power rankings at PFF last week and the top five teams had a point differential of minus 11 last week. Hmm. And last season was a lot more chalky. We knew, we thought we knew a lot more about the league. And then when something like Nick Foles happens, we're all caught off guard. I think what's really interesting about this, this season is that we know that we know very little about what's going to happen in the future. And I think that that makes it a pretty, pretty enticing and a pretty, uh, pretty fun last two weeks in playoff season. So tell the folks where they can find your podcast and what you got on there and, uh, also the PFF YouTube page. Yeah. So we're on podcast one. We're also on iTunes. It's the PFF forecast, uh, myself and George Shahuri. And then also on the PFF. If you go to YouTube under the Pro Football Focus page, we do uh, some breakdowns. Actually, uh, unfortunately, we had to redux our uh, uh, regression candidates for the season this this uh, this week. And one of the regression candidates we had going into the year was the Minnesota Vikings. And while many on the the comments said that we were foolish for thinking that uh, you know adding Kirk Cousins would lead to a regression, it ended up being true. So uh, on, you know, hopefully, hopefully the regression is only in the win loss column and not in the advancing in the playoffs column for the Vikings. Um, has anyone ever said more like PFF snorecast when they're <laughs> talking smack? That, that's actually a pretty good one. Honestly, if somebody <laughs> said that, I would, I would, I would tip my cap to them. Usually it's just, you're an idiot. But. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I thought about <laughs> borecast, but snorecast is better. So <laughs> all right. That's well, good. Every, uh, that is not actually descriptive of the podcast. So everyone, uh, make sure you check that out and we will talk to you again soon on the purple podcast. Hi, this is Chris Howard host of plugged in with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.